Shut up and sit down. Good evening. Welcome to the Misfit Family. The guests are regular folks that has common issues. So come join us for some positively entertaining conversations and some spiritual duality. So go grab your drinks, grab your snacks, sit back and relax, and enjoy the show. Now let's welcome our hosts, the little hippie, the Texas tragedy, the mister who is a sister, my brother from another mother, Guru! Welcome to Positively Entertaining Conversations with me, your host, Guru Brando, and Joe. Good evening, folks. Joe, what do you know? Um, before we get going on this podcast, let's just take 10 seconds and pray for the people in Boulder, Colorado, of the massive shooting again. Let's do that now. Okay, sorry, that was a little more than 10 seconds. I still had a little bit of a prayer happening. On with the show, folks. On with the show. Now, we were talking about, just earlier before I hit record, some kind of important stuff. So, I want to talk about that. I asked the question, what's wrong with people? And, you know, why are people killing other people? And what's happening with this? And I don't understand what the purpose is. I don't understand why people are making these decisions. What is your input? I think there, <clears throat> there's just a lot of angry people out there that don't really know how to control their anger like they should. And if somebody really makes them mad or something like that, the only way that they know how to retaliate is by gun violence. And you know, sometimes it is a learned behavior. Sometimes you grow up in that environment where you learn early on that you're going to be a victim, and so you have to protect yourself. It's always about protection. And sometimes it's about ego, which is, I have stuff I want to protect. You know, so first it's about self-preservation, then it's about your objects, you know, your ego protection. So then... The next one is like hunting, you know, survival. Whenever it goes to trophy, then that's your ego ideal. You know, that's who you want to be as a person. You want to be someone who owns, you know, these animals that, that you kill. And um, so you have those three categories of people. And so you look at what's happening right now with the mass shootings. So are they trying to protect themselves their ego, or are they trying to get a trophy? I would say it's more to get a trophy because most of some of the people that do these mass shootings, they're still alive, they're sitting in prison, you know, and, they're, and they know what they did, and they're carrying that with them. You know, I got my trophy, look what I did. I made a name for myself. I could never make a name for myself when I was younger because of this happened or this happened. But now I got myself, you know, I made a name for myself, even though it was wrong. So, 
You know, the one, the one common denominator is they're victim of circumstance. So either they're a victim of circumstance in their own mind, so they're trying to protect themselves, you know, or they're a victim of someone else. So if they were abused and they're dealing with traumatic situations and they have PTSD, that to them is a self-protection thing. But then whenever you move into the ego category and you say they're trying to protect, protect their money or their belongings, you know, that's the part I don't understand. You know, why or are you trying to gain something? Like, are you trying to rob someone to gain something? That would be the trophy. Right. You know, so all these mass shootings, you know, people seeking fame for it, it's, it bothers me to my core. Oh, I know, it's, it's terrible because it's, it's just not, you know, it, it's a bad situation, but it also it puts other people, you know, mindset is scared because now I can't go to the movies. Now I can't go to the grocery store. If I go to the grocery store, I might come on home alive. And you know what? That's the truth. That's people like us, Joe, because I have PTSD, and the reason why it affects me to my core is because part of my PTSD is OCD. So I have obsessive-compulsive thoughts all right. the time. And part of that is around danger, you know, around fear. I have actually um, been uh, in situations that there was gun violence. And so it's one of those things that I'm hyper aware, you know. And knowing <coughs> just the thought that other people are experiencing something that I have gives me that empathy that I have to shut off. Because if I don't shut it off, I'll be a puddle on the floor. Right. You know, because think about the last time you were in a situation where you were so scared you wanted to cry. Right. You know, and then put yourself in that situation now as an adult and you still want to cry. Yep. You know, or watch it on TV. Beth can't watch kids dying on TV. And the problem is we love horror movies and we used to watch Pet Cemetery. Oh, <laughs> we man. can't watch it now. Yeah. Beth, yeah. it messes her up. Yep. That first, you know, what gauge, <laughs> yeah, you know, but that, see, in that first incident, you know, I, I'm like, but you know what? Before we were parents, we could watch it and not think twice. Exactly. Yep. But man, the second you have a kid, you don't feel that way. So that begs the question: these people that are killing other people clearly don't feel like they deserve to live, because if they did feel that way, they wouldn't do things as dangerous as kill other people. Right, but so also, they go into it with the intent of not living. And also, they know too is you know if if they don't want to die or if they do want to die or if they don't want to die, they know that our judicial system is there is going to protect them. Because don't what they, what are they going to do? They're, but do they know that? That's the big question. Because if they knew that, they would adhere to it. So that's when you have to say, are they aware? Are they actually aware that their actions are going to create a chain of events that's going to alter their entire lives and the lives of everyone around them? Are they even aware of that? I, no, I don't believe so. And, I wouldn't think so. And so then that's where I have to say, as a life coach and as a friend, as a husband, as a father, as a human being, it's my duty to be there you know to be there for you for Karen for anybody right. who's like you know I don't understand humanity and I don't believe it exists because Joe you weren't even leaving the house 
and you have to know, you know, that humanity exists. I'm here, and I don't shoot the place up, right? Right. But I have to look around for that, too, myself. So I have to first center myself and go, okay, self, you're not in any danger. Nobody's going to shoot up the school that your children go to. Nobody's going to shoot up the grocery store when your wife's there. But, you know, I can't in good conscience say that. Right. Because I don't know. Exactly. And so it leads that to the uncertainty. Yep. And I hate that so much. So much. I got to turn this off. I forgot and, um, that the humming. You know, that's like what I tell my daughters and stuff, especially Olivia, you know, that goes out shopping by herself. You know, just what, keep your eye open, you know, and keep away from everybody. And if you see something or if you hear something, just hit the floor, go hide, go do something. But see, then are you actually creating fear in her that might not otherwise exist? No. So you wait until she comes to you and says something. Because, see, some parents, and, and a prime example is my dad, who always would anticipate us getting in, into trouble in the vehicle. So he always told us, you've got to make sure you have the spare and you have to have a quarter take of gas. Don't come home without a quarter take of gas. I didn't understand that until he said, if an emergency happened and you had to get to town, you don't want to run out of gas. Right. Okay, so we lived out in the country, so it was a big deal. But, so, he had gas cans. He hoards gas cans. So we always had one to put extra gas in. So I created a paranoid thought in my mind. I still, to this day, feel anxiety if my gas gauge goes under a quarter tank. Right. Now, was my dad helping or hurting? I think it was helping and teaching you. So maybe if he had followed it up with, you don't want to do this because this would happen you would be inconvenienced and have to find gas whereas in my mind if i ran out of gas ran out of gas i was just stuck right i didn't know anything else to do right so maybe the focus needs to be on that is what are the next steps you know if you're talking to someone and they're expressing concern for themselves or someone else and going, hey, you know, I am feeling so pissed off at the world right now. Society sucks and I hate people. Are you the friend, the trauma buddy who sits next to him and has a beer and goes, you know what? You're right. This world does suck. <laughs> you know, are you the feeder or are you the one that sits back and goes, you know what, man, it's not so bad because... You know, you have your job, you have your family. Look at what all we can appreciate of the world right now. The world is changing. Everything is going to be better than it was. How do you tell people that if you don't believe it, right? Right. So I guess the reality is it starts at home. It starts with us. It starts with us telling our kids how to be safe, right. but still live. Right. And that's exactly how I tell Olivia. You know, oh, it sucks. I, I hate it all, Joe. You know, you know, and like I tell her, you know, I don't, I'm, and I always tell her, I'm not trying to scare you, but you know, the way this world is, you know, and people are sometimes, you know, not all there. You know, you just have to take that extra precaution just to be safe. And you know, anytime someone says "but," they don't realize that they take away the power from what you said first. 
So what you said first is I don't want to scare you, but, and that but says forget the rest of it, but this is the real world and this is the shit that happens. And so that's the fear. I know that she's smart enough to know the difference. She's got a good head on her shoulders. And I don't really need to preach to you because you know that. Right. But it's really for the listeners and the viewers that are going, you know, I do tell my kids this. Well, how do you tell them? And do you tell them things and follow it up? Right. You know, that's the big thing. you gotta, you got to follow that up with what will actually happen because my dad was worst case scenario dad. His thing was um, you can't wear flip-flops and run. If you do, you're going to trip, you're going to hit your head on the ground, you crack your head open, your brains are going to fall out, and you're going to die. <laughs> I wonder why I have OCD, right? But in my dad's defense, he has Asperger's. <laughs> he is on the spectrum. And so... Well, I tell Livy the same thing about flip-flops when, you know... Do not wear flip-flops while you're driving. Oh, because, yeah. No. Because what's going to happen? That flip-flop's going to get stuck on that floor mat, and it's going to be on the gas, and you will go on for one hell of a ride, which you don't want to go for. That's exactly true. I have seen it. You know, I studied forensics, and I have seen what happens to someone whenever that happens. So, Olivia, if you're listening and watching, do not wear your flip-flops while true you're driving story. your car. And I will not provide the pictures of that, but I'm sure that, you know, Google would. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you can end up pretty in a pretty bad situation. Now, aside from that fear of flip-flops, what other things has your dad told you that, that you now know was sort of a crazy idea? Like, you can totally identify it as old-fashioned. Oh, boy. I don't know. It's been a long time. Well, what was his view on drinking? That's a good place to start. Drinking was do it sensibly. What was sensibly to him? Uh, maybe go out and have three or four drinks, you know, call it a night and come home. So was that every night? Yes. Okay, so sensibly for your dad was to have five or six drinks every night. Right. Okay. When did you realize that that was not sensible? Probably, I would say, probably after a couple of years after I started drinking. A couple of years after, okay. So you were aware enough at that point in time to go, oh, my dad was probably wrong because I have other people telling me stuff, right? Right. You had the government, for one. <laughs> <laughs> the law, Johnny Law, was right. on you. So the government, for one, was telling you, hey, this is a rule that we, you have to observe if you're going to live in our society, right? Right. It's the same thing for gun owners. You have to adhere by certain laws to live within a particular society, right? Right. And the other thing, too, is, you know, especially if you go out, if you go out and drink, you know, you're on your third drink, you know, and now you're on your fourth, like, that's my cutoff. Well, then, then you got your peer pressure from your other friends that are there. Ah, yeah. You know, oh, come on. You can stay here and have one more. You can stay here and have one more. Like, ma'am, dude, it's 2 o'clock and I can't walk. So when do you say peer pressure stops influencing you? Because at some point you mature beyond peer pressure. I don't think I ever have. 
So if I, okay, no, this is a serious question. So if I went and got a beer out of my fridge and I set it right here, mm-hmm. and I said, here, Joe, do this, do this for the podcast. No. So see, you're old enough now. You wouldn't give in to peer well, pressure. Well, yeah, it took me 30 years, maybe. But that's what I'm saying. So when <laughs> did you realize that, you know, you're old enough to make your own decisions, that you didn't have to listen to other people? It's probably when I quit drinking and when I got sober in 2010. So I have a really deep question for you. Oh, boy. So how many times have you tried to commit suicide? Uh, I must have been talking to my sister. No. Oh. Well, I mean, I've been talking to your sister, but <laughs> it's part it's part of what, you know, oh, man. where this is going. I would, um, maybe, I would say maybe five, six. Without even talking to your sister, I would already have assumed that you tried to commit suicide because you were an alcoholic. And usually people who are addicted or have addictive type behaviors have commi- have tried to commit suicide or committed suicide. Right. And so that assumption was safe because you just dimed yourself out. <laughs> You're off of, you must have been talking about sister. No, but yeah. Um, so, Joe, in those moments where you wanted to kill yourself, how many times did you try with a gun? With a gun, none. And why is that, Joe? Because I'm not allowed to have them. And why is that, Joe? Because I was seeking treatment in a mental hospital. Okay, same for me. I can't have guns. Now, here is the interesting thing about that, is that the government knew me so well that they knew if I was allowed to own a gun that I would be dangerous. And the reason they knew that is because I was checked in because I was dangerous. (laughs) Right. Imagine that. Now, imagine if I was checked in and I was dangerous and then I got let out and I went to the pawn shop, pawned some stuff, got a gun, and went and killed the person that had me admitted. Well, see, I was... I had to give up mine because I was in a mental hospital, that's correct, but also for alcoholism. But then they also found me dangerous, I guess, because, you know, the drinking and everything else, like, you know, his mind's not going to be clear, and this could happen, this could right. happen. Now, the question is this. What keeps you from adhering to that law, to that rule? Because you can break it. You can own a gun. You can go buy one on the street. You can have one, you know, shipped to you, whatever. You can do that. You can find a way around it because you can buy things illegally all the time. Well, this is like alcohol. I don't need it. Exactly. I don't need it to make myself happy. So why do you think that there are people that need them to be happy? Well, maybe it's like a a collection. You know, there's other people that collect different things. Right. You know, now... I collect certain things. Well, now this guy, he collects guns. You know, My dad was a gun collector, so I totally get that. And I'm not anti-gun. I am anti-gun violence. Right. And there is a big difference. Oh, yeah. If that weapon has a use, go for it. Use it for its intended use. But don't use it if you are an angry person or have a tendency to be emotionally disturbed. That's just, that's common sense, right? But... What if the person's not aware that their behavior's irrational? Your dad didn't know he was an alcoholic. 
You didn't know you were an alcoholic until you knew you were an alcoholic. A crazy person doesn't know that they're crazy. Right. So how do you tell someone, if there's someone listening right now or somebody watching right now, how do you tell that person that it's, it's fine if you want a collection, but if you are obsessed about it, you should probably find out why. What do you say to someone who's own, who has so many weapons and you know that they're prone to violence? To me, that would be a, a touchy situation. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> I like to touch the nerves. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's, I don't know. That's a touchy situation where I would, I would probably keep in the back of my mind, you know, knowing that they're an angry person, knowing that it, they have enormous amount of guns for collection, you know, and if they started doing something radical or something that you really think that they might harm themselves or harm somebody else, then I would go seek, you know. Would you feel a great sense of responsibility to talk to someone about it? Like if, say you came over here and you know that I've been in the ward, you know what my struggle's been, you know that I have the same type of issues you have. So if you came over here and I showed you my gun collection and you were uncomfortable, how would you let me know? What would you say to me? Because at that moment, it's your duty to say something because you're in the environment. Right. You can choose to leave, but if you do, you're a dick. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you choose to leave and not help someone who clearly has an issue, you're a dick, right? Yeah, but like, I, I mean, it's, I, I don't know how, I don't know how you would say that to somebody without... You want to know how I would say it? Yeah, because I, I don't know because, like I said, that's that, that would be a very touchy a touchy situation for me. They they would have to be, you know, if you can visually see them, you know, really getting emotional, getting upset, you know, talking about something that's, you know, they're planning Triggery, on doing. yeah. Triggers. You know, then then I would just kind of maybe leave and you get the hell out of get the hell out of there but then I would go then I would go you know talk to the police or let them know yeah, call you know. 911 you'd be crying in the car call 911 <laughs> somebody get over here no I'd be in the car going Brandon's because... on a rampage there's some scary shit happening <laughs> circus and Mythfest. oh lord exactly what I would say to you if I came into your little lair and saw the place lined with weapons and rockets because that your <laughs> well, place well, is lined. A... I know you're lined with rockets. <laughs> so if I came in and you had rocket launchers everywhere, and I know your history and I know how your behavior has affected people, I would look at you and I would go, Joe, are you a safe person to have all these weapons? And if you looked at me in your smart-ass way and said, I'm safer with the weapons than without, because I can imagine that's what you would say. Probably. That's what I would say. That's what I would say, too. So if, if you said that, then I have to understand that that's who you are, that's where you are, and I have to accept that behavior. So in that instance, I'm like, okay, well, I appreciate your collection. It looks fantastic, but I don't feel safe around all this and then I would leave right. and then I would call 911 and probably poop in the car 
There would not be crying. There would just be straight up pooping because I'd be like, I can't believe I just said that to somebody who had that many rocket launchers. Yeah, where's he sitting at? What, what windows are you looking out at me at? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I would just be like hitting the turbo button. Right, get the hell out of Dodge. But, you know, seriously, that is a major question because if people were asking more questions to those people who own you know, a mass collection or the people who idolize, you know, mass shooters and stuff like that. If somebody doesn't mention that and talk to them about an open up dialogue, they might not be aware that their behavior is not typical. Well, and, uh, and there's also been people like that on the news and stuff, you know, that these police officers and SWAT going in, you know, they get into the house and stuff and all of a sudden they find these mass collections, you know, right. because somebody <clears throat> let them on just like what we're talking about. And it's typically because a parent or an aunt, an uncle, whomever in the family typically was someone who was a paranoid person and owned a weapon or two and then they, when they passed away, passed it on to them. And then they leave this notion with them and they say, you know what, son, this is my prized blah, blah, blah weapon or my prized collection. I'm leaving it to you. You know how much I love it. I used to clean Betty every Sunday, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. And they leave them in charge of this weapon collection. And sometimes that can build that notion, just like what I talked about with my dad, right? Right. So, Joe, what notion did your dad build for you before he died? What did he say to you? the last thing that you really remember that you need to honor of his? I would go back and just say it was keep doing what you're doing and working hard. And I mean, that, that's what basically all he preached to me, you know, and told me a, a lot of that, I, you know, that I can always remember. Did he ever leave instructions with you, like take care of this person or this animal or this collection or anything like that did he ever put responsibility on you no it was it was mostly on my mom when my dad passed but that we were also there to help my mother yeah so he did at least tell you you know take care of your mom you know right i mean yeah the the usual deathbed type or sickness type thing, right? Right. You know, you got to take care of them. So what if your dad told you, you know, live your life, son. I've lived mine. I had a good life, and I want you to have a good one, too. What if he just told you that and left out that I want you to take care of your mom? Would you feel still responsible to take care of your mom? Oh, yeah. Why? Because as a son or daughter, that would be your responsibility. Why is it your responsibility to take care of your parent? Because my parents took care of me. Okay. And so, so you're reinvesting that. Right. But not, did you did you know that the way you actually reinvest is in your own kids, not your parents? Yes so, and no. So, well, I'm not saying don't take care of your parents. Obviously, right. my dad lives with me. Right. I mean, but he lives with me by choice. And I chose to have him live with me, too, because we lend something to each other. He's my dad. He still lends me lessons and advice and patience. He lends me lots and lots of patience. So he gives me all these skills that I missed out on. And I give him skills, too, like how to run his cell phone, how to use his remote, how to, I don't know, um, 
I don't tell him how to do very much because he knows everything. <laughs> He's 79, for crying out loud. But it's mostly, you know, the modern stuff, right? Right. So I'm giving him that stuff. Right. And he's, te technology these days is yeah. just overwhelming for your senior right. citizens. So he gives me old-fashioned advice, and I give him new technology. Basically, that's how it works. I'd rather have the old-fashioned advice. And that's the problem, Joe. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> is you see that you are now that old person that nice. we're talking about, right? That now your kids, bless her heart, Emily, and bless her heart, Olivia, have to school Grandpa on, you know, how to do stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, and don't forget Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because Kristen is a youngin', right? Yes. So how responsible do you think she is? She's very responsible. And why do you think she's as responsible as she is? Because she's how old? I'm totally diming her out right now. Yeah, you're going to call me out. I'm uh -huh. going to get in trouble. Yeah. I think she's 30. Okay. We'll just say, because I don't want to, like, give her exact age. We'll say she's in her 30s. Okay, so <clears throat> in her 30s, you feel that she's responsible as a 30-year-old or yes. a 30-ish-year-old, right? Yes. Why do you think she is responsible? Because I know 30-year-olds who are still living at home with mom and dad. Because the way that my mom and dad raised me, they raised my older sister, and the way they raised Kristen, that's basically how I am, you know, with the responsibility, and she's gained that, she's learned that from mom and dad. So do you think that you're as responsible as she is or more? I would say I'm more responsible. And do you feel you're more responsible because you're older or because you're male? I'm just wiser. So, older. Because <laughs> you're older. It's okay to say that, you know. Yes, I'm older. <laughs> I just like hearing that. Okay, so we are going to talk about dying the beard thing, too. <laughs> Anywho. My, we ain't dying my beard. Okay, so. Kristen tried that once. I know, we talked about it. Yeah. And you looked like Billy Mays. You're right. That's pretty funny, Joe. I, yeah. I could see that, a, a bald Billy Mays. Yes. Oh my gosh, if we do that again, let me spray paint your head because I'll get lots of runs that'll look like hair because, you know, I can't <laughs> I can't spray paint. It runs <laughs> like crazy. So I'll spray paint your head black and we'll dye your hair black oh, and your beard black. It'll look like a big old pimple. Probably. That would be funny. <laughs> Anywho's, I don't know how we always get off track, but we do. So your dad, he told you, you know, to be responsible and to help your mom, et cetera, et cetera. And I asked you if you would still do that, even if he didn't say that. You said yes. Right. And you would do that because you're supposed to take care of your parents, you said, because they took care of you. Right. But then I said that you're actually supposed to take care of your kids, not your parents. So your parents take care of you, and then you, as an honor to them, take care of your kids the way that they wanted you to be raised. Right. So then you go, how would my mom want me to handle this? Or how would my dad handle this, right? right. That's how you honor them. But sometimes you can hold on to them too much that you become that person. Just like that commercial, that insurance commercial, you know, where you're becoming the dad. Right. That's what happens if you hold on to old-fashioned values that your parents gave you because you're taking care of them. In other words, I don't take for gospel 
that everything my dad says is what I should do. I don't still feel like I need to use ether on um, cold source. But that's what he did. I also don't feel like I have to use alum on canker source inside your mouth because it's really gross and it sucks. But if I sit there and I think about it in a pinch, if I don't have any canker source stuff, I have alum. So that's an integration. So I know that I can use alum on a canker sore because dad used it on us and it works. I know holistically it works. Okay, so then I say, but I have the option of modern technology that says you can get this little thing that you paint across it and it numbs it and you're good. So what makes me decide if I'm gonna hold on to what my dad told me or if I'm going to go with modern technology? What helps us decide that? I don't know, Kyle lost you for a second. It <laughs> that's okay. We decide we decide if we hold on to old fashioned values or on modern values, we decide based on how effective it is. So in other words, you look at something your dad gives you. He tells you to take care of your mom. Does that mean that if your mom comes over and beats you with a club, that you should still take care of her because she's your mom? No, it doesn't. That's an old fashioned value that says you have to honor and take care of your parents no matter how they behave, no matter who they are, because they gave you life. Right. But that's false because they didn't actually give you life. The universe gave you life. You have been allowed to live and stay alive by your own hand. Your parents raised you up to the point you could take care of yourself. And then the rest of it was up to you. You owe them nothing. What you owe them is you living. Because they gave you life. They didn't give it conditionally. They gave it to you. Because it was given to them. So they had the privilege of having a child... And so then they created the child and said, okay, I'm creating you, here you go. I am giving you life. Did your mom ever look at you and go, I gave you life and I could take it back? Oh yeah, plenty of times. She gave it to you, it was a gift. You owe her nothing. And that idea right there can free a lot of people when they sit there and think, I've been holding on to this idea that I have to take care of Bubba Jack because, you know, Aunt Willie wanted me to, you know? And they hold on to that, they really do, and they're like, I have to protect this person my entire life until I die because I owe it to this person who gave me the privilege, you know, of raising me. Because some people are raised by people that aren't their parents, but they consider them their parents. Right. So you don't have to be a birth parent, you know? so. What keeps an adopted child from saying, oh, I have to take care of my birth parent? They don't have to take care of their birth parent just because that's who gave them life, right? Right. You wouldn't have... Right. So you see, that's a little bit of an outdated idea. It's not saying that it's wrong. You can have an outdated idea if that's your tradition. If your family upholds the value that says, no matter what, family is first. No matter what we do, no matter who we are, you are going to support our colossal gun collection. 
you're going to support our bad erratic behavior, you're going to support our drinking, you're going to support all this shit from us, and you're going to carry it around in a backpack your whole life, and take it out periodically and say, huh, that's right, I got that from my dad, and you put it back in the backpack, and then you pass that on to your kids and say, this is what your grandpa taught me, this is what your grandma taught me. You don't do that. You know, because if you do, you're hanging on to them and they're going to haunt you and they're going to haunt your kids and they're going to haunt everybody. So you simply have to say, you know what, I'm not taking your farts anymore. I'm letting them out of the bag. And you say, you were an alcoholic. I forgive you. I forgive you for being an alcoholic because you didn't know any better. You were unaware. And you say, I forgive you for being a mass shooter because if I don't, I am sinning against myself. And you say that because you yourself are humanity. And if you were unaware and you believed that your way of being accepted was to be famous and you had to kill people to do it, it's not a bad intention in your mind. You're unaware that it's a bad <coughs> thing because your belief is that that is the only way you can save yourself is if you're famous. Right. I have to forgive that person. I have to forgive them by saying, you know what? I get that it wasn't what you intended to do, but it was bad nonetheless. And now you have to live with it for the rest of your life. And it's nothing that I can change or you can change. And even if your dad told you that it was your responsibility to take care of your baby brother and somehow he died, that doesn't mean that you too don't deserve to live, right? Right. Because he doesn't get to make that choice for you. It's sad that people fall to the wayside in a family sometimes and they don't get mental health help. Who in your family didn't get help that needed it? Probably. Besides your dad. Mental health? Yeah. Mental health help. Because your dad was an alcoholic. He suffered addiction issues. My dad? Yeah. He wasn't addicted. To alcohol? He wasn't addicted to alcohol, Joe? I don't think he was. Because he could handle it. What does that mean? He can handle it. He can drink his four. He can he can drink his. To say if he can drink his four or five beers and stop. He can control. But it. he did it every night. Well, everybody drinks every night. Doesn't mean they're addicted. <laughs> okay. It's how it's how. You're not abusing it. You're not sitting there at the bar twenty four seven. That's you're, you're, that's not what alcoholism is. Alcoholism isn't how long you're there. Alcoholism is your habit. It's it's the disease of addiction. Alcoholism is addiction. Right. Okay, so he was addicted to alcohol. He was addicted in the sense that if he didn't drink every night, he would have withdrawals. It was physical. That's how you know someone's addicted. And an alcoholic has physical symptoms. You know that. You had withdrawals. Right, but I was abusing alcohol. I wasn't... Ab abusing... I don't drink at all. 
and not everybody drinks. And my dad's never drink. He's 79 and he's never drink. So you see what I mean? Yeah. That's a hard one for you, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, well, it's just, we just have our different opinions on. <clears throat> but you said you knew that you were an alcoholic. You were abusing it, right? I was abusing it. I was okay. taking it to over my limit. So your idea of abuse is if you drink more than intoxicates you. If you drink more than intoxicate you, that's alcohol poisoning. Well, that's we're not be abuse. About this for a long time, huh? I said we're going to be talking about this one for a long time because we are, her opinions are way off. But they can be, and it's okay that right. you know. I mean, it's okay if if that's what you believe. I just know differently, you know. And and my knowledge is different than yours. Right. Yours is based on your experience and mine's based on my experience and my knowledge. And it is a hot button subject just like, um, you know, politics or religion. When you start talking about addiction, it's tough to talk about, you know. Right. And I don't fault you at all. Uh, you know, it's something that we can discuss further on another one. <laughs> You know, when we decide that we want to get heated, maybe we can do it in combination with this spray paint challenge, and oh, then we'll Lord. have spray paint. We we'll be armed. We'll be armed with spray paint. This is paint. all natural and sexy. We're not doing <laughs> nothing with it. Well, Joe, I. Uh, if you don't like it, I'll wear a mask over it and we'll hide it. Here we go. Is that better? So they can't see it. Oh, that's weird. I don't like that at all. Okay. So I wasn't meaning to offend you and calling your dad an alcoholic. But from my perspective, from what you've told me, the pattern of behavior is that of an alcoholic. And that's what I was judging it on. Yeah. And so I'm only looking at pattern. I did not know your dad. So I don't have the right to call him an alcoholic. So I apologize for that. I'll think about it. Well... You can think about it or not. I mean, it's no, not I'm a big deal to me. I'm just kidding. Um, I hope you, you crap, do, man. I hope you do think about it, though. But let's revisit that whole rocket launcher idea. So you can't own any weapons. Right. So can you own a, own a flamethrower? Yes. Dad and I want to get a flamethrower. You can actually own a pellet gun. You can? Yes, because it's not licensed by the government. Well, look at that. All you have to do is be as 18. <clears throat> oh, but are you? Are no, you 18? Not me, no. Do they count physical age or mental capacity? I don't know. I'll be screwed in both sections. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, maybe we can uh, go pellet shooting then. Yeah. You know, we have the cavern. If we set up some stops back there, we could do it in the cavern. Yeah, because, because like me, I can arm my home. I can protect myself and my family. Well, there you go. I have dogs. Well, I got dogs too, but you come through that front. <laughs> you do not. No, no, stop. You Okay, tell the listeners what kind of dogs you have. It's a sheep poop. Exactly. And how many dogs? Two. Oh, yeah. What's the other one? Clipso. What's that one? Sheep poop. Oh, that's the, oh. That's the tan one. That's the one I know. Okay, so yeah, you're right. You have to. Okay, so both of the dogs are ankle biters. Right. 
Okay. So if you come so, to my house, you're still going to get bit, but he's just going to gnaw on your ankles. No, okay, so ankle biters are not dogs. They're not real dogs. Those are pretend dogs. <laughs> I have one pretend dog that's a Shih Tzu, and then I have a Doberman um, lab and a Husky. And so, yeah, if people decide that they want to take something, I'll let them take it. But widow and yuki won't <laughs> they, they can they can try i'll be like sure go ahead come on in take what you want whatever you can make out the door with right all right and you know going back to the you know owning a pelican and protecting your home you can protect your home with a pelican because some of them are a higher caliber oh than, yeah some of them are higher caliber than a 22. oh i'm familiar with pellet guns yeah. we have a few you know so, so yeah you come through my front door you're gonna be hurting on the way out Oh yeah, well, the, it's not just it's not just that, but they have to actually um, get through Karen first. <laughs> so Karen. I would be more worried about Karen. Well, the I'm problem is saying. Karen works all the night shifts, and I'm stuck at home by myself and my kids. So and your pellet gun and my pellet gun. I don't know. I bet Emily could take somebody out too. Yeah, she I probably bet she could. could. I bet she could. Her little her little rugrat too. <laughs> Truffles, what a cutie patootie. All right, Joe, have we talked about anything funny? Because I don't think we have. I want some funny stories. Ooh, tell me a sister story. My sister story? Yeah, tell me something about your sister. Tell me the cringiest thing that your sister's ever done that you look at her and you're like, why are you doing that? That is not cute for your age. <laughs> Boy, that's a hard one. Come on, tell me, because I know what one of them is. You might help me out, I'm not sure. <laughs> what do you call her? Goobers. No, besides that. What title have you given her based on her hobby? What the hell? What animal does she love? She's a goat herder. <laughs> she is a goat herder. <laughs> Did you ever wonder if she's offended by that name? No. Do I really care? No. I don't know. I'm going to ask her, though. I'm going to be asking her that. Goober is a goat herder. <laughs> she really is. But her goats are adorable. Yes, they are. And she has one in the house that has a diaper and a onesie on. She's got two of them in the house now. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about the yeah, other one. Yeah, the other one got sick and had to bring it in to put some more weight on it. <clears throat> yeah, and I got to see it jump up on stairs. Yeah. So... It's it's getting stronger. I love um, little baby goats, but I hate taking care of goats. I hate them so much. Like, just the whole responsibility. Yeah. <clears throat> I've got chinchillas. I love my chinchillas. But why does Kristen like goats is the question. Yeah, why does she like goats? Because my dad liked goats. Oh, so that's how she stays close to him. Exactly. Yeah, see, we haven't talked about that, so that's interesting. Yep. So, Kristen, I'm coming for you. <laughs> but, you know, that's the truth. You Don't worry, you, because I told him some more stuff off camera, but <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but you know what? You end up, that goes right back, that circled right back to what we talked about before, which was she has a belief in her mind that that's what keeps her close to your dad yep. because that's something he liked. Do because... You, Every time that we would go down into the St. Louis Zoo, you know, we were younger and stuff like that, you know, and they always had the goat pen at the zoo. Dad would sit on that bench 
maybe a half hour, 40 minutes, you know, just sitting there petting the goats. I have pictures of it. That's sweet. You know? That's really sweet. So that was a softer side. Did you ever see that in your dad? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like Kristen had a different dad than you? I, yes, because she, I don't know how to say Because you she, broke them. You broke them. <laughs> That's just the truth. Well, and I don't. Quentin <clears throat> broke us. I just don't think she had as much time as what we had with dad. Oh, so that's your regret. So you regret having more time with your dad than your sister. Right, because, right, because he got sick, you know, and she didn't get to spend that. Well, that's your dad's fault, not yours. How's that my, my dad's fault? He can't help if he got sick. He had health issues. But that's what I'm saying. Joe, if you had health issues and you didn't take care of them, if you had heart disease and you still ate like your doctor told you not to, it's no different than my mom smoking while she's taking radiation. I know that that's a hard, cold fact, but it's the truth. Your dad could have taken better care of himself, and he just didn't. That's the facts. So he could have been there longer for your sister had he known to take better care of himself. But he didn't. He rolled the dice. Right. It's just like you and Karen. Y'all know that smoking shortens your life, but yet you still do it. Boy, I, I to, still vape. I have to smoke more now since I'm talking to you. <laughs> but it's... <laughs> but that's that's the a cigarette break yet? I need one or something. <laughs> I know that this is shortening my life every single time I do it. And I'm making a choice every single time I do it. And I know that it's going to take me away from my kids. And that's a fact. I know that eating an entire Little Caesars pizza by myself is going to kill me if I continue to do it. It's not healthy. I know that. I know that if I continue to use drugs, heroin, cocaine, <coughs> then I would have died. I know all those things. Your dad knew because the doctor tells you. When you go to the doctor and you have high blood pressure, they say, stop eating salt, go on this diet. If you go in and you're 50 pounds overweight, they say, do this and do that. Yeah. It's the truth, and it well, sucks. Well, I know it's the truth because I don't listen to my doctor either. I'm still... Yeah, and you're still fine, but guess what? Well, I ain't you... fine. I still got my, <clears throat> my high blood pressure, my cholesterol, and... Smoke weed and it all goes away. That's what I'm doing to maintain... <laughs> But I'm, I'm serious when I say, you know that if you don't start doing something, you're going to suffer the same fate. Right. Because your dad did. So use his, him as an example and go, he didn't take care of himself like he should have. So my sister didn't have as much, as long as I did. And it sucks. But it's going to be the same for your kids. One of your kids is going to have longer than the other. Right. That's life. Yep. <laughs> Life's so, a gamble. Roll the dice. Exactly. And you know, you can be the person that's overly cautious and never drinks and never does this and never does that. And that's your decision. You can do that if you want. Or you can use moderation. You can say, you know what, I'm human. I still want to indulge. So once in a while, I'm going to get a Big Mac. Once in a while, I'm going to drink a beer. You can do that and it's fine. You can even go overboard and say, I'm going to abuse myself and I'm going to do all these unhealthy things that I know I shouldn't do because I'm enjoying my life. That's your choice. Yep. I like to gamble. 
but that's also your ego. And you can have that choice and you can have that egotistical choice and say, I'm doing me because this is my life and forget everyone else and forget how they feel and how it's affecting them. And then that's you leading a, a self-destructive life because self being the, the main point, self-destructive and destructive being all the bad habits you're continuing to choose to do. So if you're still self-destructive, you have to look at your kids and go, wow, they're teaching me the modern ways, so I'm not teaching them the old-fashioned values. You know, and you really have to take a look at it because you're paying more honor to your parents and what they gave you if you give that to your kids than if you give them the farts in the backpack. And so if you're sitting there... stink. <laughs> yeah, if you're sitting there saying, hey... You know, you have to work hard your entire life and kill yourself. And, you know, if you get too far gone, you can redeem yourself. But, you know, you're still going to die early. It's okay because you lived your life full. That's a lie. Because that's your life being full. But they may want to live to be 79 like my dad. They may want to live to be older. So you have to make sure that they hear the facts. Cigarettes kill you. Emily knows that. Right. So Emily's already smarter than you. That's good. Exactly. And that's what I said before, you know, is that here you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And she's smart enough not to use, a, use you as an example when she shouldn't. Right. And if we all had been that smart, if I had not followed my mom's example, because she was an alcoholic, if I had not done that, then I might be a different person, but then I wouldn't be this awesome person who has a bullseye on his shirt. See it? Boy, now it's all going to your head now. And oh, I was talking to your sister earlier. So this is a cool story. So I had surgery. And when I had surgery, I can close my eyes. See if you can do it. Close your eyes and point to your belly button. So you knew where it was, right? Right. Okay, I could do the same thing, and listeners, y'all do this too. So close your eyes. And point to your belly button. So my belly button should be right here. I'll show yours. It should be right here, okay? But I had surgery and my belly button's here now. So I feel like it should be here. So if I ever go to clean up my belly button, I go here and there's no <laughs> belly button. Now, speaking of belly buttons, here's the rest of the story. Oh, my brother had a hernia whenever he was a baby. And so they ended up sewing up his navel. And so the bigger he got the smaller his scar and so eventually you just couldn't see anything at all and when he grew hair since there was no scar there the hair just covered it right so he would make bets that he was hatched because he didn't have a belly button and so at school he would like the teacher got up the I don't know science teacher whatever was talking about how everybody you know, has a belly button because of this and that. And I was like, my brother doesn't. And they're like, <laughs> your brother has a belly button, I promise you. And I said, no, he doesn't. He said, who's your brother? And I said, I told him who my brother was. And he said, ah, he said, ah, I know who you're talking about because that was also his teacher. We grew up in a small town. So then he had to explain to everybody why my brother didn't have a belly button. Hmm. Yeah, it was a real pain in the ass having siblings older than me in school, and right. they had all the same teachers. 
that was a bonus to y'all being so far apart in age. Right. She didn't have to deal with your teachers that you already screwed up. Oh, yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, and you screwed up the parents for her, too, just so you know. You broke them. The parents that she got was because of you. So it's the truth. Do you not treat your kids differently because of that? You learned the first time? Maybe. You learned, like, the first one, you're so careful, you boil everything, you drop the binky, you sanitize it, and all this other crap. The second one... You bring up the binky and you run it underwater and then you give it to him. The third one, you pick up the binky and you go, <laughs> and then you give it to him. I don't him. even do that with Kristen. I just picked up and shoved it in her mouth. I don't care what it was on it. Wow. <laughs> and now we know what's wrong with the Hess family. It's Joe. Joe is the one that has just screwed everybody up. Right? That, that's my trophy. <laughs> Well, the good news is your family's not actually screwed up, so you did a terrible job screwing them up. Joe, I'm going to say thank you, and thank you for bringing me the sad news, because I did need to know, and um, I hope that everybody really thinks about what we talked about and thinks about what makes somebody, you know, important enough to invest the energy in and say, hey... Are you doing okay? Should we be worried? That's the question of the day. Should we be worried about people who obviously have mental health issues? If, yeah, if they've been documented. Right. And before you lay your head down tonight, say a prayer for Boulder, Colorado. Just keep them in your thoughts and prayers. Yes, most definitely. And, and the victims prior to also, because there's been more than one shooting. And so, you know, keep all of those people in mind and just remember that even in struggle, there is a lesson to be learned and we have to, we have to pay attention to it. Ooh, I hear my kids yelling. This is awesome, Joe. Good luck, Boulder, Colorado. Illinois loves you. We're all thinking about you. Yeah, yeah. Say your prayers tonight. Thank you, guys. Talk to you next week. Bye. Take out. Morning, brother. Thought I'd share this. I got another one built here. And I'm in the process of putting the wood filler in. Cover all the seams. Paper towel tube, paper towels. Got all the little deep lines in it and stuff. So we take them in, fill all that in. So the next step would be to let this dry. This would all be down, sand it down smooth, rechecked. If any spots missed, then you have to put your wood filler mixture, which is your wood filler, and you put a little water in it to make it like a pancake batter. This will all get the sand down smooth, get rechecked, any spots missed, and you do it all over again. Then you sand it down again, and let that dry, then you put your primer coat on it. Then this is basically what your rocket looked like 
before it got finished, and it looked like that. So then that's the process, whenever that's all gets done, then you'll primer it and sand it, then the painting starts. That's a longer process, that takes up to four different sandings. Um, then you sand it and you primer it, then it'll get wet sanded. And you'll recheck it, keep sanding down until you get nice and smooth. So that's kind of what the process is from that. See you soon, or we'll catch you on the flip side.